Last week we looked at um, a purposeful life. Right? We saw in Matthew chapter 5 um, that we are agents of change. Jesus called us lights and he called us salt. Right? And we, we looked at this whole concept of being salt and light in the world. And um, what, what does salt and light do? They change the environment they are in. Right? And so as salt, we bring God flavors. As light, we produce God colors. And so this week, I want to look at another aspect of living our lives, and that's living a called life. So I've entitled my message, Called, Not Driven. We are called, right? And so we live with this called life rather than a driven life. Um, and so um, my question this morning is to myself, and to the rest of us, are you living a called life or are you living a driven life? What's the difference? The called and the driven life look exactly the same outwardly, right? You'll be busy, there'll be stress in your jobs, stress at home, stress everywhere, right? Um, challenging family relationships, financial struggles, concerns about the future, dealing with health issues, they are all there. Right? Whether you live a uh, called life or you lived, uh, live a driven life, the externals may be very similar. So what's the difference? The difference is in the condition of the inner life. That's what makes the difference between a called life and a driven life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the cause of your life. Guard your heart. In other words, guard this inner life. Guard this inner sanctuary. Guard this inner sanctum of yours. Because that's where, the, that's what determines the cause of your life. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about this inner sanctum of yours. Is it driven or is it called? So I want to look at the life of Jacob. And if you look at the life of Jacob, and you study the life of Jacob, you'll see that there are two really distinct phases in Jacob's life. Right? You will see him as Jacob, and then you'll see him as Israel. And so I want to look at these two distinct differences. And I would say that Jacob lived a driven life, the first portion of the story of Jacob. And then you will see at some point of time, there was the shaping of the inner man of Jacob, where he begins to live. A called life. So let's take a look first at Jacob the driven. And then we'll look at Israel the called. So looking at Jacob the driven. His name when he was born. He was named Jacob. All right, And Jacob means heel catcher. And if you know the story of his birth. You will know why they called him the heel catcher. All right? Genesis 25 20, uh, verse 26 says. Then the other twin was born. Meaning Esau was born first. All right. Um, uh, Rebecca had twins and in fact he heard, she heard from the Lord and the Lord said two nations are within you and two nations will war against each other All right, and so you, Esau was born first and then right after him right, uh, verse 26 says the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel so they named him Jacob because Jacob means heel catcher heel grabber, right? Uh, he literally came out trying to grab and trying to pull Esau back, you know? <laughs> Imagine, um, right from birth, right? The heel catcher. Then you will see 
that the name also sounds like the, the word supplanter. And you'll see that play of words when Esau speaks of Jacob, right? After Jacob had um, deceived his father and received the covenant blessing, this is what Esau says in verse 36 of chapter 27. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. And that's a play of the Hebrew word, Jacob. So you got Jacob, which means heel catcher, and you got Akob, which means the one who trips you by pulling your heel. Right? And, and really it means the supplanter. I'll pull you down so that I can go before you. Right? And so that was the meaning of his name. Heel catcher. Right? But eventually, as he lived his life, people started looking at him as a supplanter. All right? um, driven by the desire to be first. To have more, no matter what. Doesn't matter what the consequences are. I've got to reach my top. All right? And so his name took on a negative personality. A grabber. A supplanter. That's what he became. What happened? <laughs> Driven, right? It, it really changed his very being as a person. And the world saw him as a grabber and a supplanter. What he did was he took his brother's birthright. You see that in Genesis chapter 25, right? Esau comes back after hunting and he's so hungry, right? So Jacob says, okay, if you want. So Jacob had this nice cooked stew, right? And so Esau says, can I have some of it? He says, uh, yes, maybe, all right? And he uses the vulnerability of Esau. He's so hungry. And he says, if you want some food, right, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, what good is my birthright if I'm going to die of starvation, all right? <laughs> and so he says, yeah, you can have my birthright. And so he sells his birthright for a pot of stew. So he took his brother's birthright. Then, years later, he takes his brother's blessing. And that's in Genesis 27. And verse 35 says, But he said, your brother came. Uh, this is what happens, actually. Um, Isaac wants to bless Esau. And so he sends Esau to go hunting and say, Bring some food. After I've had my feed, I will bless you, all right, with the covenant blessing of Father Abraham. And so Esau's gone. But Rebecca hears this, and so she and Jacob connive together, all right, and deceive the father, because Isaac was blind at that time, deceives Isaac into giving the blessing to Jacob. So he begins to, he, he smells like Esau, he looks like Esau, and he comes, and uh, the father is confused, right? In his blind state, he says, you sound like Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Right? And in his confusion, he actually gives the covenant blessing to Jacob. And so when Esau comes back, the father realizes he's been deceived. And he had actually blessed Jacob instead of Esau. Right? And so he says to his son Esau, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessings. So what did Jacob do? He took, he took, he took. Just like his name. He grabbed whatever he could to secure his own future and his life. He took the birthright. He took the blessing. All right? 
The birthright, what's the difference between the birthright and the, and the blessing? The birthright was a special privilege that the firstborn son had. And what that would mean legally, he would get double portion of the inheritance. Right? But not only that, he will have the judicial authority over the father's estate. In other words, he will be the power of attorney. attorney. You know, he will decide on what happens to the father's estate when the father dies. And this, you're talking about a wealthy man, Isaac. Right? And uh, you know what happens when multimillionaires die. There's a big fight, especially if they've got children. All right? Everybody wants something. And so there's somebody who, can, who has the power to make that decision. And that was given to the firstborn. Right? Um, so he got that birthright. Not only did he get the birthright, he got the blessing. And the blessing was this prophetic blessing of the covenant blessing that Abraham received. Right? You'll be blessed to be a blessing. Right? All nations will be blessed by you, but you will be a great nation. You will have a great name. All that blessing, they would bless prophetically. Right? Abraham passed it to Isaac. Isaac now would pass it to Jacob. So he got birthright. He got the blessing. So he's secure now. He should be secure. He's got the birthright. He's got the blessing. Everything he desired for and fought for and grabbed and grabbed for, he got it now. He should be the happiest man walking on earth. Instead of that, look at Genesis 27 and we see where he is ended up. Right? Genesis 27, and we'll read from verse 41. Genesis 27, verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days. Note the word few days. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. He traded his brother for the birthright. He deceived his father for the blessing. So he should have had everything he now wanted. All the material security, all the spiritual well-being that was guaranteed to him. right? But he's running away for his life now. And you know what he ends up with? Nothing. All he has right now, the clothes on his back and the staff in his hand, and he's running for his life. <coughs> Let me suggest to you that the driven life will only produce conflict and chaos all around you. The driven life will cultivate restlessness within you. Let's look at Israel, the called now. That few days turned to months and actually turned to 20 years. So now he's 20 years away from home, right? But God blesses him. He becomes so wealthy and it's miraculous the way God blesses him, right? He is there with his father-in-law who was a bigger Jacob than he was, a bigger grabber than he was, a bigger supplanter than he was, right? Sometimes God actually uses us, uses 
us, a mirror of us, right, to teach us. So if you are struggling with somebody, chances are that person is exactly like you. <laughs> Maybe a little worse. <laughs> right? So here was Laban. But Jacob learned something. There was a shaping that was going on in Jacob's life those 20 years. And so we pick it up now from when he, God has spoken to him to leave Laban and go back to your father's land. So he's now returning back to Canaan. All right? Now, and what does it mean to return back to Canaan? You've got to face your past. You've got to face your brother. Last time you ran away from your brother, he was angry with you. What are the chances that he is now much better? Well, life tells you if a person is angry and maintains his anger, after 20 years, he will be even more angry. He will be furious. He will be ready. All right? And so here is this Jacob knowing that he has to go and face his brother as he returns home, right? And um, Genesis chapter 32, let me read to you verse 6 to 8. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, he also is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. <laughs> what do you think you will feel? <laughs> All right, 400 men, right? Everything is running probably in his mind. Oh, he's trained these guys. These are all going to be Navy SEAL trained guys ready to get me. No matter who I have with me, these 400 guys, right? Remember Abraham? Abraham had um, 400 men and he wiped out nations with it. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen now, right? So here he is. He's afraid, right? And um, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. He said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. But I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture and you're going to read a few verses later that we are not dealing anymore with the Jacob we knew. The, the schemer, the supplanter, the manipulator, the deceiver, right? Because now he's come to this place in his life. There's a shaping within him in his inner sanctum. And you see in Genesis 32 verse 10, the prayer of Jacob. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I own nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. He left without the birthright, without the blessing, even though he owned both. He had nothing to show for it. Now he returns back to Canaan. Not a single thing has come from his own father Isaac. No wealth has come. He has not received any wealth from his father. He has not received that blessing from his father. Everything he has got has come from God. And suddenly there's a realization. I don't need to fight for my birthright. I don't need to grab hold of my blessings. God is the source of all things. So none of his material wealth came from his father, Isaac. Everything came from God. His birthright came from God. His blessing came from God. 
So what does he do? I want to take you to Genesis 32 and verse 24 to 26. And this will require you to move from your logical mind into your arty mind as I try and explain what's going on here. Genesis 32, 24 to 26. Jacob was all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So here was Jacob wrestling with an angel of the Lord. Right. And um, so he's wrestling. And if you know anything about wrestling, which I have absolutely no idea, I've never wrestled in my life. Right. But the whole aim of wrestling is you you bring down a person to the ground with your strength, all right? You stay up, that person's down, and you pin him down to the ground, right? In those days, you wrestle a person to the ground, and you're a winner when your foot is on the person, all right? And so you're the victor of this wrestling match. But everything's in the strength of your balance, right? You've got to secure yourself. It's all in your balance. And what happens when he's wrestling with the angel? Boom. His hip is dislocated. What happens when your hip is dislocated? You lose your ability to stand. You lose your balance, your ability to stand on your own. So what happens now? He's no longer wrestling. Now he's clinging because he can't stand, you see. His hip's gone, right? And so he is now grab hold of the angel. He's not wrestling. He's clinging. And the angel's trying to get him off. And he says, get off me, all right? And he says, I won't. I'll cling on to you until you bless me. Can you see the difference between wrestling and clinging? That's pictorially the best illustration you can get of what has actually happened in the inner sanctum of this man, formerly known as Jacob. He has come to this place in his life that he won't wrestle with man anymore. Right? He now will just hang on for his dear life to God. And all he needs is for God to speak. And when God speaks, he speaks blessings into our lives. He stopped striving. He began clinging. And then he also relinquished his egocentric identity, Jacob. And he received a God-centered identity, Israel. Genesis 32, 27 to 28. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. For you have fought with God and with men, and you have won. He didn't really win with God, but he won the heart of God because he clinged on to him. Jacob, a driven life. Take, take, take. The, man, the name means heel catcher. Take your brother's birthright, Jacob. Take your brother's blessing, Jacob. The driven life. And he made him a heel catcher, a grabber, a deceiver, a supplanter. But Israel, a called life, received from God, cling to God. The name means a prince with God. It literally means to rule with God. No need to grab anymore. No need to deceive. No need to be driven. 
My material security comes from God. My spiritual well-being comes from God. So I just receive and I cling to Him. The driven life produces conflict, chaos and restlessness. But the called life is a life of trust, dependency and co-partnering with God. I close with this scripture in Psalm 37. And it really tells us how we can move from a driven life to a called life. So read with me Psalm 37. And I'm going to read seven verses with you. Psalm 37, 1 to 7. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes. And then we go on. That's verse, I'll stop at verse 7, right? Now what I want to say to you is, in order for us to move from being driven to being called, we need a renovation of the heart. Right? We need to look at the four chambers of our heart. And you see these four words that I read to you in, in Psalm 37. Trust, delight, commit, rest. I look at it as the four chambers of your inner sanctum. Trust God. He is the security. He, your security is in God. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Delight is the second word. Your happiness comes from God. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. The third word, commit. Your help is from the Lord. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him. He will help you. The fourth chamber, rest. Your confidence is God Himself. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Trust Him. Delight in Him. Commit to Him. Rest in Him. So stop living a driven life. 2021, we will live a called life together. Right? You are called. You are Israel. You are a prince. I won't use the word princess because when you think of princess, a princess needs a prince to save her. You are not. You don't need anyone to save you. You are a prince. Right? Um, a prince, male or female, you've been designated firstborn. Prince, Israel, one who rules alongside with God. So trust Him, delight in Him, commit your life to Him, and rest in Him this year. And let's see what God does in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to 
this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.